The Holy Gospel according to Mark, the 10th chapter. As Jesus and his disciples and a large crowd were leaving Jericho, Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, a blind beggar, was sitting by the roadside. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many sternly ordered him to be quiet, but he cried out even more loudly, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stood still and said, Call him here. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. So throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. Then Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, My teacher, let me see again. Jesus said to him, Go, your faith has made you well. Immediately he regained his sight and followed him on the way. The Gospel of the Lord. To be honest, I have wrestled for a long time with this passage from the 10th chapter of Mark's Gospel. You heard it read just a moment ago. Bartimaeus was the blind man begging on the side of the road who cried out to Jesus for mercy, was silenced by some of the people around him. They ordered him to be quiet, so he shouted even louder. And then, as the story goes, after asking, what do you want me to do for you, Jesus restored his sight and said, go. Your faith has made you well. Far too often, Bartimaeus is celebrated for his persistence. One theologian wrote, it was the persistence of Bartimaeus that set in motion a wave of mercy, blessing, and change. And also far too often, the action in this story becomes a formula for prayer, the call to imitate Bartimaeus. It becomes a formula for prayer. The call is to imitate Bartimaeus. According to one commentary on this passage, and I quote, the blind man is portrayed as a model of Christian discipleship. I am afraid that the implication is all too clear. To achieve the healing result desired, one must be persistent, never allow others to silence your cries, boldly ask for exactly what you want, and Maintain a certain measure of faith in Jesus Christ. And then, and then, just like Bartimaeus, you too will hear the words, your faith has made you well. But what of the countless prayers offered by faithful, persistent Christians that seem to have gone unanswered? What of the cries and the pleas made in desperation but met only by silence? 
What of the bold shouts lifted heavenward only to seemingly disappear into the clouds? When the story of Bartimaeus is read as a story of persistence or as a formula for prayer, the only conclusion to questions like these is faith was not certain enough, deep enough, genuine enough, or earnest enough. As I said, I have long wrestled with this story and its implication for a life of prayer. I tell this following story with permission. Recently, I was called to the home of someone who has entered hospice. This person was described to me as a non-believer. I was called not to see the one who is dying, but rather to speak with his wife. In our conversation, she reported being overwhelmed with anxiety. When asked, what is making you so anxious? Her answer was clearly spoken as though it had been repeated many times before. She said, I prayed throughout our marriage for my husband's belief and for his faith. For nearly 50 years, I have prayed and nothing, nothing. So I'm worried, she said. I'm worried about what will happen to him when he dies. And then she spoke the most heartbreaking words of all. She concluded, I am afraid that I have failed. Those are the words of someone who has measured the degree of her faith against what appears to be unanswered prayer. Do you see? The litany, with which far too many of us are familiar, goes something like this. I prayed, I begged for mercy, I believed, and my faith was as strong as it possibly could be, but my prayer was not answered. So I guess my faith was not strong enough. And who can blame a person for coming to such a conclusion when there's a biblical story like the gospel that's before us today, when Bartimaeus is made out to be an example of how to get your prayers answered? All of this is to say that the story of the healing of Bartimaeus is not a prescription for prayer, but rather a description of the mercy of God. Let me say that again. This story is not a prescription for prayer, but rather a description of the mercy of God. This entire story, you see, hinges on one thing. It hinges on the cry of Bartimaeus, the one when he called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And he did this not once, but twice. Kyrie, eleison, Lord, have mercy. A dictionary definition of mercy reads, 
kindness or help given to people who are in a very bad or desperate situation. But the biblical meaning of that word is both far simpler and very much deeper. It is steadfast love. Mercy is the steadfast, unfailing, unconditional love of God. The Bible is sprinkled generously, as you well know, with glimpses of God's mercy. It was God's mercy that saved the people of Nineveh from ruin. It was God's mercy that King David received after his confession in Psalm 51, and create in me a clean heart, O God, he called. It was God's mercy that called the Apostle Paul out of a life of persecuting Christians into the life of being an evangelist for Jesus. And it was God's mercy that welcomed the prodigal son home once again. The Bible assures us in the Old Testament, Book of Lamentations, that, and I quote, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The mercy of God is new every morning. Maybe the most familiar of biblical passages about God's mercy is the one that concludes the beloved 23rd Psalm. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Listen to that verse again from Eugene Peterson's version of the Bible called The Message. He writes, Your beauty and love chase after me every day of my life. What immediately catches my attention is not the way he translated goodness and mercy, but rather the way he translated that word follow. Did you catch it? Your beauty and your love chase after me. I couldn't help but wonder if that was even a fair translation. After all, there's quite a bit of difference between being followed and being chased. And sure enough, the Hebrew word for follow allows for a variety of translations, as most words do, and it includes to chase and to pursue. Surely, Goodness and mercy pursue me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I can't help but think about the good shepherd who left behind 99 sheep in order to pursue the one that was lost. And then, when he found it, he returned home and he called his neighbors and his friends together, saying, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. That, that is the mercy of God on full display. A mercy so deep 
and rich and pure and generous that it is absolutely tireless in its effort to catch us up. It's a mercy that knows no bounds, a mercy that is relentless in its pursuit of every last one of us, a mercy that chases after us without condition. So the danger, you see, in making Bartimaeus out to be an example of persistence or a model of faithfulness in a life of prayer is that we find ourselves thinking that we are the ones who must do the running after, that we are the ones who are in pursuit of God, that in order to be the recipients of the mercy of God, we must be the ones to do the chasing. The danger is that we forget that God's mercy is free and for all, unearned and unmerited. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came precisely so. We do not have to chase after that mercy. It's no accident that each week in worship, after we sing the opening hymn, the next time we sing, we sing a prayer called the Kyrie. And we sing the words of Bartimaeus. Lord, have mercy. And in response to our prayer, our cry, our shouts to God, we hear the same words Bartimaeus heard. Take heart. Rise up. Jesus is calling you. In the name of our Lord. Amen.